Hi, and welcome back to Kessel Run Relay, a Star Wars podcast. Our episodes drop at the beginning of each week, and you can follow us on our social media. Our links will be in the description. This week, we will be discussing the fourth and fifth episode of The Mandalorian Season 3 with some very special guests. Um, But before we get into that, hi, I'm Emily. My pronouns are she, her. You can follow me on TikTok as Stardust M and on Twitter and Instagram at underscore Stardust M. My brainworm of the week is uh, the professor from Puppet History being the father of Nubs from Young Jedi Adventures. Um, truly, I do believe that they are the same creature. Um, and I do believe that the professor used his time traveling powers to go into Star Wars and conceive a child. And I love that for him. Um, anyway, so this week is a little bit different. Uh, it is just me because Liv and Hay are at Star Wars Celebration. Um, so that means that I am joined by some very special guests. Um, MJ, do you want to introduce yourself? Do I need an introduction? This is my third time on the podcast. Um, I'm MJ. <laughs> My pronouns are she, her, and you can find me on every platform at Chimera underscore chat. It's your job to find out if I am active on that platform or not. It's anyone's guess. (laughs) Anyone's guess. Tune in to find out. Do I say my brainworm now or do I wait until Austin? Oh, yeah. No. Okay. My brainworm that a week from now I see Taylor Allison Swift in concert oh my god it's gonna be brain worm of my life and this is all I'm gonna think so about true. from now on I have to wait till August is that a Taylor Swift reference it is <laughs> so true oh and August will truly slip away like a bottle of wine when I see Taylor Allison Swift <laughs> That's that's really just my brainworm. Unless we substitute my brainworm for a moment of silence for Bad Batch Tech. <laughs> so true. Well, R.I.P. Our autistic king. Gone but never forgotten. Especially by MJ, who's making a tech helmet. <laughs> Bad day to be a tech stan. One week without tech and I'm losing my mind and now I have to deal with this for the rest of my life. So not not doing too well. How's our third guest? Well, I was good until you brought up the fact that tech is gone, but I'm Austin. My pronouns are he, they, and you can find me on Instagram at SWEAustin. And my brainworm of the week is that I met Charles Soult and I brought up my pansexual Lando variant cover of Star Wars number 14. And he signed it. He was answering emails. And then he looked at the cover and was like, that's so cool. And then signed it. And so number one ally, Charles Soule, thank you for being there for us this week. And now he's going to be a celebration. And he's going to sign more pansexual Lando variant covers. So very excited for him and all the people that are going to get their pansexual Lando variant covers of Star Wars number 14 signed. So yeah. 
Who else up pansexualing they Landos? <laughs> Did you see Donald Glover this week mention that show again? I thought that show was scrapped. No, well, yeah. he said. Yeah, he didn't even mention the show. He said that, oh, they're talking about me coming back. They're, they're still talking about it. Which <laughs> also, to be fair, when they announced the Lando show, they never said who was coming back. They just said Lando is getting a show. And they never said whether Billy D or Donald was coming back. So They were hoping one of them was going to see the announcement and be like, I'm down. I and swear to God that's happened. what happened. <laughs> so... It and was like, who would call first. Different versions. Right. <laughs> Hopefully one uh, day. What happened this week? No Bad Batch, that's for sure. Yeah. Mando. Mando. We got a bunch of uh, Young Jedi Adventure like merch. Mm. Uh, including a Nubs plush, which I will absolutely be purchasing as a part of my collection because once again he needs to sit in between bluey and the professor as my little blue trio (laughs) i love that i'm a sucker for a marketable plushie yeah me too (laughs) me too (laughs) ceo squishmallows if they made a nub squishmallow my dream for real for real because he's for fuzzy. real for real i do have ham is joining us mm-hmm. <laughs> the way i knew who it was and she just got excited not? like she saw a celebrity oh. <laughs> <laughs> we are in the presence of one emily's been talking about him for so long i'm so glad for him to be in your presence presence yes <laughs> i had to of course get him <laughs> Um, oh, what else happened this week? Lots of Saw Gerrera discourse that we all engaged in, probably <laughs> to an unhealthy extent. Yeah. Yeah, always for Saw Gerrera, though. Always, yeah. yeah. We're okay, writer dies. Just to backtrack a little bit, Clemens Schick, who plays Ham in Andor, is a celebrity, and I just saw his true form. <laughs> So I had the proper, appropriate reaction to seeing a squishmallow named Ham. Yeah, valid, valid. You know, also, everyone's on a plane to London this week. Stay safe, everyone, but not me. That's how I work out the rest. Stay safe. <laughs> Guys, maybe don't get on the plane. I don't know. It's a jealousy thing. I'm so sorry. but. I'm so happy for everyone going and so happy to get to watch 50 minutes of Star Wars commercials during the live streams and hopefully Christina Ariel and Anthony Carboni are going to come through with this late interview every 50 minutes. You sound so convincing right now, especially after that plane threat, like what is bro cooking? (laughs) Who let him cook? (laughs) I'm truly terrified. <laughs> Listen, none of you guys are going, so you don't have to worry. <laughs> no, that's why that's why we're all hosting this week. <laughs> we're marked safe from Austin's Austin's plane threat. Jeez. Oh man. 
I'd be scared. <laughs> no, is- don't be scared because TSA is so strict. I had to. <laughs> I got stopped multiple times for having a Gatorade in my backpack accidentally on the way to Chicago. <laughs> so. <laughs> Um, I have as long TSA as, pre-check. Couldn't be me. <laughs> as long as you don't count, you know, berry Gatorade as a threat, then everything is all good. So. Uh, a reminder for those who are going to Star Wars Celebration, um, even though I don't necessarily know if those going would be listening to this podcast. This or week. if they make it after that. Break. Yeah, if they make it. Uh Remember that uh, Liv and Hay are hosting the Celebrating the Legacy of Solo, a Star Wars panel on Saturday the 8th at 3 p.m. on the fan stage. They have moved the High Republic meetup back an hour, so it will not interfere with this panel anymore, and everyone uh, can go and support them. Um, The only Solo thing happening at Celebration, so... (laughs) impact until they announce Alden's return and Donald Glover's and Donald Glover's (laughs) so make sure you go to that um with that we will get into uh the Mandalorian so first we'll start with episode five the pirate thoughts feelings okay says I loved it and one of my favorite episodes of the season because Gorian Shard was such a such a treat. I love seeing him again because I thought we were done with him until Skeleton Crew. Turns out, nope, we may not even get him in Skeleton Crew. <laughs> we just got him in this season of Mandalorian, but I loved it because I really love Grief Karga as a character. And so I really like what they did with him in this episode. Like, I feel like the change i mean there's a lot of things like that mando where it's like in between seasons or whatever there's a change i feel like grief cargo was the only sign that there was ever any type of time jump in the mandalorian and navarro as a whole that was like literally the only sign that there was years in between seasons anyways they finally addressed that like you know it was kind of a quick change for him to go from being part of this bounty hunter guild or leading the bounty hunter guild my bad and then now being the leader or the high magistrate of Navarro. So when Gorian Shard called him out and that was the start of the whole episode, I was like, yes, I loved it. And I love seeing him stand up for Navarro, love Grief Karga and Carl Weathers. What did anyone else think? (laughs) To piggyback off of that, in Carl Weathers We Trust, his performance was so good there's this one shot of him when he's leading the people of Navarro and you can like see the emotion like how concerned he is for the people and like you were saying with that character development you can tell he's truly a man of the people now and like he yes. has really embodied this magistrate position yes. and mad drip yes grief cargo for president love so him <laughs> when he takes over for chancellor <laughs> Yes. Um, I thought this episode was fine. <laughs> wow. I kind of got. No, I'm just I got so hyped up on 
Zeb <laughs> being there, which we'll get into, that I sort of forgot like everything else that happened in the episode. And then when I went back and rewatched it, I was like, okay. The thing is, I have said this before. I struggle with action scenes and like really mm, uh, like maintaining attention throughout them. So any action scene in Star Wars that draws out for a long time, I kind of start to zone out. And this episode was just so much. <laughs> yeah. So I really started to be like, uh. And they're at the, it's two at the same time. So I bet you were overwhelmed because it's the air battle as well as the Mandos on the ground simultaneously. Yeah. yeah. I did enjoy the the one standout moment from that, just from a directorial point of view. Um, there's this shot where the one ship dips and the two collide into each other. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed that. Yeah. 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 I was going to say, I thought Carl directed this episode. No, he did the Foundling one. This was Peter Ramsey who's directing the Ahsoka series. Oh, fun. Yes. So it's interesting that he got to direct Zeb for the first time because uh, you see the world I'm getting at. Yes. And I do think that's probably good uh, space battle wise because we do know a certain character who has a certain affinity for space battles. <laughs> You're making me nervous, Sam. You're making me nervous. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the thing that I loved about this episode is that I feel like the first four episodes were kind of like, like, they were good, but they were like, okay, what's going on here? What Can we get some context, please? I feel like the fifth episode kind of put things into context where it was like, okay, we kind of understand now where the New Republic ties into things, kind of, almost. And then we kind of got the direction of where the Mandalorians would go with, like, the ending stuff with Bo-Katan and her girlfriend, the armorer, and then also things like, you know, uh, I, I just feel like everything kind of came together in that episode and things started to make sense. And and then also Zeb, like who who could forget? So I, I think it's probably my favorite of the season, but also I don't think that the season's been that great. But <laughs> um, <laughs> so, but Peter Ramsey did great. And not only is Zeb going to be in Ahsoka, but I'm banking on his appearance in Across the Spider-Verse Part 1 and 2. Thank you very much. So shout out Peter Ramsey for making that happen. For canonizing Zeb in Marvel. <laughs> yes. I love Across the Universe. Not Across the Universe. <laughs> That's a Beatles song. I, I, I love Zeb in Across the Universe, the Beatles music. <laughs> <laughs> it was great um so we already talked about uh keith gargo nope nope that's a completely different show (laughs) can i can i say something just to put this out there in the notes the itinerary for today's episode m wrote keith and I got so confused. I was like, man, I really need to rewatch this episode because I don't remember Cassian in it at all. <laughs> I, I can't. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. It, it gave me a chuckle because I, I wrote down. I don't know why. They would, it's, it's, it's doing the thing that Sabine and Satine used to do to me where I'm like why would they make two women with such similar names 
both like Mandalorians, like why would they give these two characters? Even though it's like, like why would they give them such similar names? Dave only has so much uh, creativity. <laughs> You're asking too much of him. Anything else about uh, Cargo? About uh, Mr. Carl Weathers? A beast. That's it. Because that's Carl Weathers' catchphrase. <laughs> what is? BPs. He puts it on the end of all his tweets. This man could be saying the most violent thing ever. He's going to end it with BPs. Like, <laughs> man has nothing on Carabas as a catchphrase. <laughs> I do. Um, I do think, I think we've said this before, but uh, he's had actually a really solid character arc for the yeah. past three seasons. One that I feel like kind of you didn't even realize he was having until this season but it's really good mm-hmm. i no, enjoy the character right and they even have like you know uh what, what's the word where they tease it um that in season one there's like moments where he's like talking about he does feel guilty for what he does but he takes some spice and goes on some hyperspace travel and forgets about it and so like it's like baby's first symbolism or something like you it's know foreshadowing it, yeah foreshadowing yes that's they're the laying baby's the groundwork <laughs> baby's first foreshadowing because that's the only foreshadowing they've done so far in the show so love them <laughs> uh well kind of in relation to that talk about um the main antagonist of this episode the pirates i gotta be a nerd for a second their practical effects look so good the practical pirates so like vane and the other ones on the ground no notes i am a sucker for puppets and animatronics and facial prosthetics I just love when we get that in Star Wars because that feels like like 1977 Star Wars to me. Yes, I think um, I know they've definitely had time to perfect whatever Holdos or Hondo species is, who is also like in this lot. I know they've kind of Weequay, they've had time to kind of perfect them because they have that cool animatronic in um, Galaxy's Edge. But I'm constantly surprised by how good that species in particular looks. Mm-hmm. on screen no I'm just... <laughs> looks on screen and it makes me hopeful that one day if we get a uh, hondo in live action i think that he'll look very good very good some may say yes can't wait <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i don't really have anything else to say about them they were just kind of like I'm glad they came back around from the first episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, Austin. I was going to say, I can't wait for Gorian Shard to return Baby Groot style in Skeleton Crew or season four of The Mandalorian when a little branch breaks off of him and they're going to regrow Gorian Shard. And Salad Boy is going to be back. He's going to be the antagonist. Can't wait. I was thinking about when Vane abandons shard and then flies away flies off and i was like oh we're definitely seeing him again because they wouldn't have done that without a purpose 
And right. back to the Satine Sabine thing, Vane, I always trip it up with Bane because Cad Bane's my favorite bounty hunter. So I'm like always struggling with the letters. No creative names. What is up with that? They have a list and they like change one letter. Perfect. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> Get this man a raise. Um moving on from that if there's no more thoughts we'll get into uh din and grogu who i don't think was in a lot of this episode but uh did literally who no i'm just kidding i think that they uh, they were there of course and you know doing things and it was a fantastic listen i appreciate that din's just kind of like like even even Din's all like you know I'll step aside so Bo-Katan can have the main character spotlight. Like he's supportive of it, so I think everyone should be supportive of it. Okay, as long as he's not mad. I don't see the issue. Feminist women love Din Djarin. <laughs> <laughs> and I think-, I think. Oh, go oh. ahead. I'm sorry. I keep talking at the wrong moment. Go ahead. Um, no. This is your uh, show. <laughs> no, I was like, we invite people on to hear their opinion. I think, um, you know, this episode though is, I think it is in some ways a good reminder of like how far his priorities have shifted, um, in particular sort of just like going out of the way to help someone where in the past he has been either not done that or have been more hesitant to do that like I think back to even season two with like the frog lady um whereas like now he is so willing to help people who have helped and supported him and I think that's a good shift and also just you know clearly a mark in the shift in his relationships uh because like this like boarding on antagonistic relationship versus now helping to save the Navarro um, is is really cool. It, it's He's taking a backseat, but I do think there are still moments where you can see how far Din has come. Definitely. I feel like there weren't very stand, many standout moments for him um, this episode, especially not for Grogu, but one, another directorial thing I picked up on which I love cheesiness like this was when they said um when Din said in the cave when he was speaking to the other Mandalorians when he says our children the camera cuts to Grogu and it still gets me a little bit like I can't lie like that's cute yeah Yeah. it's it's sweet and I think and it's also sweet like uh kind of jumping to Paz Vizsla but I do think it's interesting to give like him and Paz that kind of connection where it's like you know also again before we've seen them border on antagonistic but now that they're on this ground of like they're both fathers and in ways you can see like they are trying to protect the clan for their children they're trying to set a good example for their children and they can both like understand what it means to to be a father and want to protect the child that you have. Um, so I think that's also cool. And yeah, it's it's interesting how much you really see Din step into like a dad role more than ever before in this season. 
they're they're finding common ground din and pad they can like set their differences aside to be like well this is the best thing moving forward for our children for our clan for the future of the clan it's it's literally siblings growing up (laughs) they were like teenagers before now they're in their like early 20s where they're like oh we can be friends No, Paz is the, has been one of my favorite parts of this season, and it is 100% because of the relationship between Din and Paz, because I've always been, like, such a Paz Vizsla hater for the way he treats Din Djarin, and so now seeing him, like, treat him with respect, and like you guys said, them finding common ground with their kids and such, and also the family aspect of the whole covert, I really like that in this episode, like, I feel like that really shines through with all the characters uh or all the mandalorians and so yeah i i've been loving paz and that whole moment when he was finally like he he's doing the whole speech and it sounds like he's disagreeing he wants nothing to do with the mission he's like i've seen people die and he's like why should we lay our lives down because we are mandalorians like that literally (laughs) i cheered the way that like when Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield showed up in No Way Home, like, that's how I was when he said, we are Mandalorians, like, yes, the fuck you are, this is the way, like, I was excited, I don't care, I screamed. <laughs> yeah, I do, I love his, like, speech, his, like, gotta, gotta, gotta misdirect them, the whole speech, you're like, oh, he's gonna be like, fuck him, fuck this guy, <laughs> but then he's like, and you save my child and it's like throw, oh yeah. shit throw them off their rhythm yeah <laughs> for the john mulaney fans listening can't, can't let din get too comfortable exactly. <laughs> always gotta remind him like the people on life. the plane to star wars celebration don't get too comfortable, <laughs> don't get too comfortable. <laughs> um uh with that Let's move on to the lesbians. Um, Bo-Katan in the armor. I think I just said at the beginning of the season too, I was like, I want to see more of the armor fight people with her hammers. And that's exactly what we got. And it was very slay. <laughs> the slay of the century. Love her. Emily being like, I do not like action. And, but then seeing the armor use her hammers, like I don't like action all unless, the time. It's, <laughs> unless it's... <laughs> I'm like when women do it I'm like oh (laughs) (laughs) for some reason I'm thinking of the tweet that's like (laughs) me and my friends would have killed E.T. with hammers I can tell you that (laughs) (laughs) the armor the armor if she found Grogu versus Din (laughs) I would have killed that thing with a hammer that's for sure I can tell you that much (laughs) Uh, but would she take off your helmet? Right. <laughs> Pack it up. That picture, that, picture, that picture of Bella Ramsey with the gay pride flag and the question mark. <laughs> <laughs> like, literally. Uh, but it's just like, do you respect my power? My position? She was shaking. <laughs> something lgbt just happened <laughs> quaking in her boots like 
didn't Bo-Katan was experiencing something in that moment I think we all were (laughs) so true but I okay I know some people didn't were confused by this I kind of think it makes sense what the armor was doing like because I think I think she saw basically that you know she has her opinion she had her opinions on the creases and Bo-Katan but now she sees that Bo-Katan is like willing to put in the work to be respectful of all Mandalorians even those who, who don't practice in the same way that she does so I think that allowing her to go back to like you can take off your helmet makes sense to me and like the armor like recognizing that like she is probably the right person to unite Mandalore mm-hmm. yeah. I like think- I don't she, think she doesn't want to force it on to anybody yeah everybody's starting to realize it too because at the end when Paz looks to Din kind of like a are you cool with this do you think this is right and Din gives that little nod and it's like a such a great unspoken moment I love moments where there are no dialogue and you just completely understand that's what's so amazing about Mandalorians is that like sure they wear their helmets all the time but you can still gather like the story and how everyone's feeling like in that cave scene in this episode yeah yeah and I have been saying since a mythosaur popped up that that was gonna be like a big shift for like all any Mandalorian who finds out about it because like you have someone like Bo-Katan who was kind of acting like there was no way a mythosaur ever existed even though her you know the legends that she was told said that they were and then like the armorer over here who thinks that it was just a legend doesn't happen and it's the symbol of a new age and I think that the armorer like you guys said adding in everything else that she kind of realizes okay this is a new age for the Mandalorians like maybe we should just go with the flow because even we've seen in the Clone Wars and such and Rebels that the Mandalorians they all fight amongst themselves it's like if they just kind of join together they could probably not have Moff Gideon destroy their entire planet but I guess we'll have to wait and see he's still alive so they can have their you know trial run and make sure that they'll be good but no I'm excited to see like how the future of Mandalorians look because now that they have like their new base on Navarro and you know perhaps they go back to the mythosaur and the minds of Mandalore being around I'm very interested and I trust the I trust the armor much more now because I still was like even at the beginning of this season I was like mm, like what do you mean the minds have been tapped with like did she lie to Din Djarin? did she extend the minds of Mandalore did you know she know that they existed and didn't want Din Djarin to be redeemed but I think does she know not. right does he know does he and I will say I was extremely hesitant uh at the beginning of this to see how both of their characters are written and I'm happy with how it's going so far um I think there's still issues with the writing this season um but I Mm -hmm. don't think that but I'm glad that it seems like that uh Bo-Katan and the armor have been handled with care and they were also like immediately like 
I'm not saying that them as enemies couldn't have worked out, but I do think it was probably like the cheapest way that it could have gone. Um, right. And I'm actually, yeah, I'm so I'm glad to see how they've been written. I was really scared. I was really scared. But <laughs> don't, we don't need to put every two female characters against each other. Yes. It would Instead, be very, we just, very great if we had some female writers in there. Yeah, we just mm-hmm. put them with each other <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to kiss. Yes. <laughs> and destroy things with hammers. And destroy things with hammers at their dark saber. <laughs> Next, we'll fall back to the uh, New Republic stuff. So uh, we have the return of two kings, Captain Carson and Garazebo Relios. Yes. I was absolutely flabbergasted by how good Zeb looked. Yeah. Because I think we were all terrified. Like, <laughs> there was, there was very, like, the possibilities were endless with the horror vibes and they didn't do it so thank you no i thought it was a very good adaptation of it from you know they managed to keep him looking like the cartoon and not look absolutely horrifying i'm still a little unsure why his hair i the only thing is the the very human hands Where are, are his paws? Where are his paws? Because it definitely was like he had like claws before, and you could see them. So I just think it's funny right. how they like really humanized his hands. Like it's very clearly just like Steve loves hands, but they like blew up into the purple. Right. Listen, and I'm glad they brought, they brought him. They brought Steve back. They didn't mm-hmm. replace him. I think. um the guy who played Captain Carson said it was a mocap suit, I believe. Mm-hmm. Was it Steve in the suit? Or did he yes, just... I... It was. Oh, was Steve he... said himself. Yep. He said that I mean, he... Steve's a pretty big, like a big guy. So that doesn't surprise me that they would use him. Is he tall? Yeah. I, he's, I think he's pretty tall. Every picture I've seen of him, he just looks... <laughs> I just saw his... He's only there an was... inch taller than me. Can I be oh, mocap really? Zeb? <laughs> I, wonder if, I wonder if like Alan, uh, when Zeb like moves around more, if they're gonna put him on stilts. Especially, you know, he was sitting he is, in the scene. He, he was, was sitting, sitting at the bar. So when he's standing next to like Hera or somebody, he'll probably have to be on stilts. And and if I'm remembering correctly, him and K2 are about like the same height actually so i'm yeah i'm wondering and then i'm also wondering how if how tall he is is also going to affect the height or like the height of the callous actor if that's going to affect how tall they want to make callous actor gave it a yellow or i don't want it i don't want it i just Man like, I, is an obe he is literally knighted for being a good actor i do not want to hear anyone say he cannot do it in live action Plus, like, no offense, I think the most important part of Callus is his voice. And who else is really going to nail the voice besides David? Like, I'm sorry. 
I think that's part of what made Zeb in live action work is that he had that heart, that sound, that warmth that you feel when you watch Rebels because it is Steve. It wouldn't mm-hmm. have worked if it had been some other a voice mm-hmm. actor. It just wouldn't have. Yeah. And I do think like there is some validity in changing like voice actors to from you know live action I know in some cases they've done it you know like uh the inquisitor uh makes sense to me the some other ones you know but I you know in the case of Zeb I think it was good that they kept it because it didn't matter what human Zeb like you know it doesn't matter what Zeb looks like under the mocap suit because they're just gonna make him look like Zeb but right. I really wanted to be David. I I agree with be. that sentiment completely. I agree that in some cases it's okay to change them. Like I enjoyed Rupert Friend as the Inquisitor, another award-winning actor. Um, except that sentiment doesn't apply to Grand Admiral Thrawn. It doesn't. <laughs> it does not. To like, be fair, I, I'm gonna uh, get my hammers out. Thrawn <laughs> just also fucking looks like Thrawn. Yeah. Like, the thing is, like, that's a case where it's like, yeah, sometimes, like, in the case of David, he does not look like him. But it's okay that he does But it's okay. But I would still, I, it's okay. But he doesn't look like Callus. So, you know, if, I'm saying if, as if, if they recast him, it's going to be like, okay, you know. But, yeah, in the case of Thrawn, it's like, that's what Lars There is like. no one else that looks like Thrawn more than Lars Mikkelsen. And no one sounds like Thrawn. It has Mads to be Mikkelsen. Mads Mikkelsen is the second person. <laughs> who looks they like look Thrawn. so different, though. They look so different to me. Lars has a much more um, round, you know, like angular face. Like, yeah, like Mads is a little bit rounder. And they're, he's Lars, also a lot taller, right? Than- Lars is giant. He's like 6'4". Six, six, um, it's not like Mads is short. No. Um, but Lars's face is a lot longer. He's got that chis forehead. The only yeah. other person who has a five head like that is Bob Odenkirk. He is like a whole head taller than yeah. Matt's. That's crazy. They don't look alike. They don't look alike to me. They, their features, like you notice like the eyes and the nose especially do it's to the me. way they like their resting faces look alike to me, if that makes sense. Yeah, but like, and well, especially because Matt's generally wears his hair more across his forehead whereas like Lars like is the emo child yeah in true younger sibling fashion and once again I still think that he should because I think there is literally nothing funnier to me than Krennic meeting Thrawn and going why does he kind of look like Galen <laughs> you need to read Thrawn treason because Krennic and Thrawn interaction they're my two favorite characters on god they are my two favorite Star Wars characters what does that say about me as a person I don't know but like their interactions are so funny I would love to see that in live action like give me Lars Mikkelsen and Ben Mendelsohn put them in a room and it like they don't even have to act like they will just be them just be them they'll just be them Um, yeah I don't even know I don't even oh the other important thing I guess about Zeb is um he's a fully like a new republic pilot which is new information yeah what ship does he fly because I'm well I guess he probably would fit in the x-wing because like nine nub 
that's in an X-wing, right? There was a um, so he's U wing in the beginning of the episode, and it landed, and people were like, "Oh, is that Zeb landing and then getting into the bar because he's not there in the beginning?" But I don't I know. Kind about of, that. I kind of imagine that he just might fly a ship similar to the Ghost because he has flown the Ghost before. So I'm thinking mm-hmm. that he might do a bigger ship like that. And if he is flying cool. the ghost, um, I I will say now that we know that he was a pilot for the New Republic, which also implies that he might have been a pilot for the Rebellion, probably. I a hundred percent that that think that he was flying the ghost on Scarif because um, I don't think he would have allowed <laughs> Hera to go if he knew that she was pregnant. I think that she would have forced. He would have said no. So I think mm-hmm. that it was him. This is gonna cause me to spiral right now. Just thinking about all of that. I think that it was him because I think there was no, there's no way I think that Zeb would allow her to risk herself knowing that she is like carrying a child, like that is her child. Kanan's being Kanan's child. And after they lost Ezra, like I just, there's absolutely no way that he would have allowed her to do that. So it would have been like, he would have like had like him, Sabine, and like, or like Callus in the ship with him. Oh man, who flew it in Rise of Skywalker though? I think still Jason Syndulla. I think I Jason still, as well. To be fair, <laughs> I think it's Jason. That's always been my headcanon that it's Jason Syndulla because once again, you cannot have your mother be Harris Syndulla and not pick up the phone when the re- when the resistance calls. Like there's just no way. Right. It could also be Ezra because Ezra would have just been Luke and Leia's yeah. age, which is like 50s. Um, or is oh, that crazy because- to think about? because Lasats live a long time it's not even that old because I think Lasats live a long time because there's a Lasat that is in Midnight Horizon that is in Most Wanted and that's like 200 years oh so and like it's like uh, DJ like fully confirmed and it's the same character so I it seems like Lasats can live a long time I still think it's Jason in Rise of Skywalker. I also still think it's Jason. I have to plug my tweet. I I tweeted the other day, imagine being cast as Jason Sindola and being told you look just like the part. (laughs) Can you imagine? Imagine the guy who has been cast for Jason Sindola scrolling through tweets where it's just like this ugly ass baby. (laughs) (laughs) I want to kick him and then you're like, oh... Me and my friends would have beat Jason with hammers. I can tell you that <laughs> right now. I hate, I dislike one green baby and it's not Grogu. So you fill in. <laughs> I feel bad because it's not even, it's like Jason hasn't done anything. He has no personality thus far. He's no lines. And people are just like, I hate him. He's so fucking ugly. <laughs> Why did they do that? Do <laughs> I cannot wait to see what he looks like in Ahsoka. Like, that is going to be a sight. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to be hospitalized when we see live action Thrawn. Like, I, 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 I'm scared of that day. I'm scared of that yeah. day. I feel like my two worst case scenarios, Star Wars wise, and I use the word worst like lovingly, worst case scenarios, like worst for my well being is mm-hmm. tech dying and live action Thrawn and I just experienced one of those so now it's kind of like all leading to this moment of truth like 
and it's mm-hmm. gonna it's inevitable at this point so it's like this looming thing over me and with star wars celebration this weekend I'm, who knows who knows what's gonna happen to me yeah what if hopefully hospitalized in a good way right yeah wait so you know how in the past at like at some of the marvel panels but also at star wars celebration that one year they had ben come out in full krennic what if they did that with thrawn and what if the guy what if whoever played thrawn came out in full thrawn because chopper chopper was on the stage last year Yeah, but what if? Yeah, what if? Uh, he came. What if like Lars Mikkelsen or or Lee Pace, <laughs> my favorite Thrawn, or Bob Odenkirk, or Bob Odenkirk? What if Lee Pace, Bob Odenkirk, or Lars Mikkelsen, or all Pace three Rosen, of them, all all four of them come off on stage, full Thrawn face, and and we have to just wait and guess who it is. It's like a fun game, so you have to like guess who Thrawn is, and they don't show his face ever in the trailer, so you don't know who he is until it shows them. And they like Disney releases like a bunch of fake leaks where it's like it's they release a, a character poster for each one. <laughs> like, oh dang, the actor who played Thrawn has won an Emmy. <laughs> Eliminate this one. <gasps> yes, and it's like yeah, they release a hint for each one. This so Grand like, Admiral Thrawn actor has been nominated for over 30 Emmys. Emmys. This this Grand Admiral Thrawn won't be saying here we go again. <laughs> I how can we get all three of the Mama Mia dads in Star Wars? And how can we specifically get them all in Andor to sing a little song? We're definitely getting Pierce. Throsman, Pierce Throsman in Andor at Luthen's shop. And they're gonna at sing. Shop. And and then we gotta get it's not Hugh Grant. Why am I blocking No, not Colin Farrell. Colin Colin Firth. <laughs> yes. I was like Colin was Firth. Pride, he was in Pride and Prejudice, but not the Tom Mom's game. But not the but he also played Darcy, but not I have that's not what seen I was also either. I that's so tragic to me. We have to watch it. I have seen Little Women with Bob Odenkirk. That's my <laughs> set of period pieces. We have to we have to watch why did i was like oh bob odenkirk played lori <laughs> yes no um anyway <laughs> any other thoughts on episode five <laughs> moff gideon name drop baby circling back to bob odenkirk do you, and moff do you think it was gideon. do you think it was axe wolves who rescued him i have no earthly idea I feel like it could it could even be planted like we don't know the lengths that this man will go to because every time Giancarlo Esposito is asked about Moff Gideon he's always like oh he's so smart he's so cunning he's been in prison plotting he's plotting he's in he's like thinking it would be crazy for him to plant it specifically so the Mandalorians would get in trouble and come like what if he causes a Mando civil war we like do you remember when he with the dark saber he let din win it because he knew it would make bo katan mad he is 10 steps ahead of everyone at all times yeah i, I think either I'm either planting it or knowing 
Mm-hmm. Knowing that he wanted to hire someone to break him out, but specifically learning that there were Mandalorian guns for hire that would do it. And knowing that they were connected to Bo-Katan Kreese, who he just got taken over by. Like, like I don't even think it has to be planted for him he to is be. out for revenge. He is in his reputation era. And the only thing I've heard about Moff Gideon leaks-wise is that he has a new outfit. So, like, well, bring on have rep. His It's just an Arkina fire. <laughs> <laughs> bring on rep. Rep Moff Gideon. I, I love it. I love him. He's so and, good. They waste And him. we know that Ela is almost definitely still working for him. Oh, yeah. I, oh, I don't want to say I would, too, but, like, it's Gus Spring. <laughs> <laughs> like... <laughs> So I like, do not support the Empire. I'm the number one Saga Rara supporter, but like, <laughs> but I'm sorry for saying that. I just had to. And she keeps like conveniently popping up on things that are like Manto related. Every time they mention Moff Gideon, she gives a bombastic side eye. Like, yeah, no, for sure. Also, I think, do you think because Moff Gideon had the Darksaber that he might actually have like his own clan of Mandalorians that like he's the ruler of? Because I think it would make sense like when he came and destroyed Mandalore that there would be some that would be like, I will join you just like do not kill me type thing. And so he might like have his own kind of like sect of Mandalorians oh, or something. It reminds that he has, like, me warriors. that reminds me of how the saxons worked for the empire they were mandalorians they were independent mandalorians but gar and tiber saxon both worked for the empire yeah and also the way that like like obviously we're going to talk about the next episode but like the way that axe woves too is like well the ruler is the one that has the dark saber like he kind of you know restates that um i think that it would be possible that there would be mandalorians that are like well like it's literally our culture like we have to do what Moff Gideon says he's the ruler of Mandalore so I think that especially if he's like manipulative like that 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 would make total sense for him to kind of manipulate a group of Mandalorians into working for him and thinking that he's the leader since he just has the dark saber he gives those Thrawn vibes he's very smart we haven't seen him at full powerful potential we don't know what he's capable of And he's pooky. Enough said. Yeah. And I think that's why I don't think, like, some people have, like, suggested that, like, he's connected to Thrawn. I don't think so. I think he is his own (laughs) empire-type villain. And part of me, I'm like, oh, I I kind of, I'm like, do I want him to, like, die or whatever? I think I do wonder, too, if he has, if, if any, what first connection he has to the First Order yeah he's cooking he's cooking he's cooking he is laying the groundwork like in his mastermind era (laughs) um anything else on this episode uh with that we will move on to episode six so overall thoughts on this episode wow <laughs> it was an uh, episode. Shapes MJ, and colors. You go first this time. <laughs> shapes and colors. Shapes and colors. Um, you know, I do think it's somebody said uh, this turned into like a Law and Order episode. 
I'm like, so true. Bo-Katan and Dindarin are sort of like the Olivia Benson and Elliot Stapler of the Star Wars universe. And it's so true because, you know, Elliot Stapler also has kids. And Dan has a kid that he's trying to protect. <laughs> so, so, so true. would that be Space View? Blood Order SVU. <laughs> yeah, Space View. Um, but also, L3 would fucking hate Dindarin so much. The beef that they would have, astronomical. Right. Absolutely like- insane. Uh, it's just like I don't know why John Favreau as the writer of literally pretty much all of the Mandalorian would have Din Djarin kind of go on this journey in the first two seasons of not hating droids but then like using that still as like a like thing for Din Djarin to kind of have against these droids it's like you are literally the man that had him overcome that. So why are you going <laughs> back to that? I don't know. It's a very weird choice to me. But I yeah. I get he still doesn't like droids all that much. And not to be like, oh, this kind of validated him. And I guess people did rightfully point out also that. The particular battle droids were the ones that killed his parents. That is true. Yeah. That so that's true. why he doesn't like droids in the first place. But, um, so like I get it, but like that being said, like also it's like the way he just like picking them. So <laughs> I think Did and Bo Katan are the funniest Star Wars duo yeah. ever. Yeah, I don't even think they intentionally mean to be that funny. No, they're playing it straight, but yeah. they're not. It's still camp. Like it's so camp. That whole whole section of the episode with them doing the droid chase, like that whole plot felt like a buddy cop thing. I was like, like what's happening? It felt like it should be from an animated series i was like this is a clone wars filler episode there are literally battle droids being funny every time i hear matthew wood's voice that roger roger i'm like yeah this should be animated Din and bo katan they it's so weird because they they don't but like at the same time they do it's like any time that there would be an ezra and zeb episode where like Ezra and Zeb would go off and do something. That's what it feels like every time that they're together. Like, it's just like unintentionally the goofiest yeah. <laughs> shit. Like, you gotta go pick up Lu runs. Oh, we stole a TIE fighter. How did this happen? Happen. We, we gotta go solve these droids. <laughs> I just want to say that I dodged a bullet because I've been fighting for my life ever since Christopher Lloyd was cast and everyone was like he's Sabath from heir to the empire and like (laughs) when I saw him as just some droid guy I was like thank the lord we are not getting heir to the empire thrown today I was like I don't want I also I don't want legends I want canon I forgot that leaked yeah yeah I forgot that was a thing that happened in Leech. So then when people were like, oh my God, Christopher Lloyd is in this. I was like, who? Where? <laughs> I was like, what? 
Marty. I we have to I go will go. say I am sort of obsessed with the Mandalorian hiring actors and then just giving them silly little roles. I think about Jason Sudeikis Stormtrooper hitting Grogu like every single day. <laughs> Yeah, and like so, like to take Christopher Lloyd and then just because some random like droid guy, <laughs> hilarious, so funny. A Count Dooku Stan, he's Lizzo. he's literally a Count Dooku Stan. Loved him. So real of him. So real of him. <laughs> so um, real. I need to stop coming on this podcast and sounding like a villain apologist. <laughs> like I don't stand Count Dooku, but I do stand his voice actor. So like huh. trying to beat the allegations. <laughs> Um, also yeah i guess we could just jump to that fucking lizzo and jack black power couple yes i was so shocked i mean like once i saw lizzo i was like oh that makes so much sense because like she dressed up as grogu and i know some people said it took them out and i mean i kind of get it but also it's just fun like you know I just think it's so fun when they have like Thunder when Thundercat was in Book of Boba Fett like I just think it's honestly really fun when they take people who just like actors who clearly just like like Star Wars and want to be in it and then just like throw them in once again just throw them in a silly little role yes Danny Trejo Danny Trejo, you can tell they're having fun with it. And like, that makes it more fun. Exactly. Like you could tell Lizzo was into it when she was petting Grogu. Yeah. Because uh-huh. they literally, this whole thing was clearly just like, let's invent a situation in which Lizzo can be around Grogu because that's clearly what she just wants and loves. Yeah. Right. I when wonder she if Grogu's a fan and that's why he wrote, of Lizzo and that's why he wrote her in. I love I that. Know me too it has the same the same energy as bill burr who was obsessed with breaking bad before it got popular and he told his um manager or his agent get me in that show i don't care what i do i'll carry the mess just get me in that show and they wrote (laughs) in a whole role for him just so he could literally carry the mess and stuff like that's that's the energy it gives and i love that because like you said they're they're dedicated. They want to be there. They want to be there. And I just think it, once again, I just think that's so fun and silly. Yeah. Like, I get that they, it. I don't know. They, or it's like um that fucking, I always forget his name. And he's like, but Newt from uh the Maze Runner. Thomas Brody Saints there, uh, being the like a first officer, first order yeah. officer, yeah. and being killed. Like it's like I just, I think it's yeah. fun. It is fun, and the way that like Jack Black especially played his character, where it was just he didn't take it too seriously either, which I thought was fun. Like it's, that scene where it's Christopher Lloyd and Bo-Katan and Jaren have taken him in and they're talking to him, and it was just like. I'm so disappointed. It was just so unintentionally funny. And then she knights Grogu. I loved it. I saw people complaining. I was like, no, you don't understand. Like, this was so hip. Like, I and and Lizzo's costume, can I just say I, I loved, loved it? That. 
That she was, was some, giving like, Padme Amidala level shit. Yes. She the was hair. giving Barbie Island Princess. I don't know if you're familiar, <laughs> but the one with the peacock feathers. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that thing that floated behind her was amazing. I don't care what they, what the ops say. What the ops? <laughs> like it's just she so fun. Like this is what I was. Like, yeah. Truly incredible. I thought her and Jack Black as a couple was so funny too. Oh yeah. Yes. They like, had they, the comedy down. They had the comedy down. Yeah, I was like, I mean, Jack Black, he's funny and he was funny in this episode. Like <laughs> Star Wars doesn't always have to be serious. People complain when it's too serious and people complain when it's funny. So, like, what do you want? You guys will never be happy. This was the camp part of Star Wars. Exactly. It was George Lucas Star Wars. It was droids and colorful things and aliens. This was like prequel Star Wars. Exactly. Exactly what I thought of when they were chasing the droid. I was like, oh, this is giving lower levels of Coruscant. It's giving giving lower levels of Coruscant. The whole... Like it, it, the the entire planet, the niceness and the sonic was very much Nabooey. That elaborate outfit that they had him in also very much felt Nabooey. Like, I love that word, Nabooey. Nabooey. <laughs> <laughs> so I do. I did. I love this episode. Aside from that, I because I didn't really feel the point. It did feel like just kind of like a random side quest, which I know what that was what the Mandalorian was built off of but like when we're six episodes into an eight episode season yeah. no but I, I it's still fun it does feel like this season is just set up for like everything else like I'm very scared that nothing's gonna get resolved in the next two episodes and it's just gonna be like tune into Ahsoka and Skeleton Crew and season four is coming out soon it's like I'm a little worried because I just I just don't see it coming to a satisfying conclusion in two episodes, but also I could be very wrong. It might end on another cliffhanger like season one with Moff in the Darksaber, like a yeah. the best is yet to come kind of thing, which is, I don't but know. Even yeah. season one had like a, because the whole thing at the end of season one was you need to go find his people. Like that, that was the conclusion yeah. of it is, is Din is going to help Grogu go find his people. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like, I get that the, ultimately, the ending is important. I also think it's very yeah. funny how Axel just, like, didn't, I think somebody, like, tweeted, I think Claire may have tweeted this, that it was, like, Axel's, like, didn't really do much in season two, and then, like, his personality is revealed, and he's just kind of a dick. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's just kind of an asshole. Yeah, I saw... Because there's someone in my Discord server, and his username is Axe Wives, and he's, like, the number one Axe Wolves stand that I know, and he's, like, I regret it. Like, I didn't know. I'm sorry. I apologize <laughs> for the last two years. <laughs> the thing is, like, yeah, it's, so, like, I don't know. Is he still, like, kind of fine? But, like, I do just think it's funny. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. He like stole Bo Katan's ships. He's like a gun for hire breaking up young couples. Like <laughs> right. okay, we'll do it too for a check. <laughs> I was an employee. 
And you know I was going to get Mando of the Month. And he did. He was Mando of the Month. I was also crying because I was thrown off about that too. Because I was like, I didn't think Koso was going to be in this season again. And it's because her her actor fully said, I'm not going to be in it. And I was like, you're right there. (laughs) She said that about season two as well. Yeah. Most actors would be like, oh, I'm not going to like. I, I can't really say, but I would love to return. She was like, absolutely not. Like, do not I love, she's even not, expect and, and the funniest thing was, it wouldn't have been a spoiler because we all knew that Axe Wolves was coming back. Yeah. Right. So it's not yeah. like that would have been like a spoiler thing. <laughs> like, she just fully lies. <laughs> I love I it. I love it though. She's like, you will be surprised when you see me. I don't care. Love it. <laughs> so true. Gotta keep hype up. <laughs> No, but that whole Please. scene with Bo-Katan taking the dark saber and it was, it was because I had made a joke on my podcast, like, oh, you know, shameless that, plug. <laughs> I was like, that robot thing took the dark saber from no. Din Djarin, so he ha- he's the ruler of Mandalore, right? And no, it actually happened. Hayden, so. Hayden fully said on this she explained the exact situation she tweeted it too she tweeted it too but she said it on the pod as well where she said i think technically and Liv and i were both like no i think it has to be like a one-on-one combat thing hayden was right fully fully and truly too it was valid but we thought it had to be like you know i am challenging you for the dark saber but i guess that's not how that's that's what everybody says but yeah, because remember that's not how that's Gideon. Not how, yeah, that's not how Din Djarin got it. So I was like, yeah. Anyway, Hayden, listen, I I see you. We were we were in this together, even though we didn't know it. I I would have believed you. So I'm glad it happened. <laughs> Am I the only person that doesn't process anything from the Mandalorian episodes? Like I watched that episode and I was like, what the hell's happening? Like, why is there this droid? Like I'm not sitting there like. So this means she's the Mandalore. I'm sitting there like, what's going on? It's so funny that like episode. with Andor, I was pulling out like analysis theories. Same, same. I mean, MJ was right there we, were, we were on this level. And then with the Mandalorian, I'm like, oh my God, Zev showed up. <laughs> 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 don't have anything else. I was I mean, like, that's how I was this, is... this episode. I was like, <laughs> this is why so? it's representative of women in the workplace this is the significance of dedra do not reduce her to just a girl boss for the empire i'm like writing full essays and like this is why this is why skeen actually loved nemec and then with mando i'm just like shapes and colors jack black <laughs> and you know what i love that too i'm here for a good time not a, not a bad time not a long time yeah. No think, babes. I I have to save all my thinking for exactly one Star Wars show, and it's not the Mandalorian. I reserve all my brain cells for Tony Gilroy. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Truly, uh, the most theorizing I did this season was probably around Seth being of flights. <laughs> I was like, "This is how and what happened." <laughs> um, but yeah, it was it was a fine episode. The, the, uh, I was like, I said out loud though, when, uh, she was like, I'm challenging Axe Wolves. And then she like shot up and just like 
dope about him. I was like, oh shit. <laughs> She's been hanging out with the armorer too much. She's gonna whip out too her hammers. And you know what? I appreciate this. The fact that we had a battle scene that fully took place. We've had a lot of battle scenes that I appreciate this that fully take place in the daytime, in the light, so we can actually see what the fuck is going on. Yeah. Right. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, and I liked this episode. I think maybe part of the reason people were disappointed was because I think Austin, you talked about it. There was like maybe some certain expectations that came along with Bryce directing it. Yeah. Which I did think that Bryce still did a really great job um, directing wise, but like it did feel a little bit like, I guess, different than like, yeah, her other episodes. Yeah. <laughs> but I feel like people have to remember that she's the director, not the writer. Director she's not the and one who yeah. gets to choose what characters show up in the episodes. Her job is to point and shoot and tell the actors how she wants it done. So, like, let's remember mm-hmm. the difference between how television works, people, because we have this problem every week with Bad Batch. So, let's not, like, let's remember right. how TV works. Yeah. Though, of course, yeah, I like it. It did feel different, but you get to like, I, I still feel like when I was watching, I was like, Yeah, it's definitely Bryce Dallas Howard because she's also the, like the only director that's like, Hey, do you think maybe this can not take place on a desert planet? Like, you know, so <laughs> she always has the vibrant locations because I'm, I mean, I don't know how much freedom the directors are given or what's in the script and whatnot, but like. I, I hope I, I don't know because it's always her episodes that have the lively locations with grass and you know everything yeah. else so I definitely think she has something to do with that part at least so and also all of her fight scenes have been really good because she was the mm-hmm. the heiress fight scene um she was the, the book of Boba Fett the I love you, Bryce. Uh, the sanctuary, but and then the book of Boba Fett with the Din when he got the dart saber. That was her. This episode was really good. Um, also, at least when you know it's Bryce Dallas Howard's episode, unless it's the book of Boba Fett. Um, no, but the book of Boba Fett actually heavily her episode heavily featured the armor. You know you're gonna get women. Yes. Yeah. So real which is her. exciting because I was screaming, crying, shaking, throwing up when Bo got that dark saber. You know, throughout the fight, I was like, this is really cool. Would I have enjoyed it more if it was animation? Yes, but I'm still a sucker for Bo-Katan or any woman with the dark saber. I was screaming. I was screaming. Like I've been waiting for this for so long. Din Djarin stands do not interact. I, I do kind of feel, though, because I know it's kind of hard, because what I'm assuming happened was, since Pedro, it was confirmed that Pedro was filming the last of us at the same time, right? As yes. this, So what clearly happened was they, Pedro was filming, and they either knew that, so they, they had to reduce his role in some capacity, because even though they have the stunt people on this set, I'm sure they still want him to play him and and he plays it a lot when he's just like walking around which is did has done quite a bit this season so I'm guessing what happened was they knew that they knew they might have limited actress access to Pedro so they had to cut down his role they shifted it a little to Bo-Katan so I understand that but I also understand that but what I also want to say is like Din 
didn't want to be the ruler of Mandalore. He it's didn't not even, even something. Dark saber. Even when he had the dark saber, he used it like once, and then he was like, okay. Like, it's not really an ambition of him. It's very clear that at this point, Din's main kind of thing is just wanting to find belonging in his family. Which is fine. And I still think that there's something to be explored in that. Um, And a debate about, you know, his place in Mandalore once it's reunited. Um, Grogu's place in Mandalore, especially being someone who is Force-sensitive, who uses his Force-sensitivity freely. um, That is something to be debated, but it is weird because I will agree like it does seem like they haven't done a lot with him but I also kind of think that it seems like at one point John Favreau forgot the character that he wrote and is now realizing again oh fuck I gave him the dark saber but he doesn't want he doesn't want he doesn't yeah. want that so I'll just yeah. get like okay John I do think that Din had kind of a a good moment in today's episode you know people were like oh he was wasted I'm like his whole thing with the Ugnuts was amazing that call back to Quill like and Din is smarter than people get on like they they they're like he's a himbo like not really he's not completely helpless but um to the sideline thing I do think that like karma because i was excited for book of boba fett as a book of boba as a boba fett and fennec shand enthusiast and half of that series went to din so this is this is bow season this is how it feels din jaren and i do think that there is an importance in this season to show like how often you see that bow and din balance each other had bow been on her own she would not have been able to talk to the ugnuts because she doesn't know how but had Din been alone, the situation with the droids would not have gone as well because of his own personal biases. So the way that they are able to balance each other is, I think, really cool to see. And I think it's interesting, too, because these are characters where in the past they've seemed so solitary. So right. to see them learn how to work together and see what it means to be in a partnership is really interesting to me yeah. and like oh, they feel ahead. more equals than like in the past when like either din was interacting with other bounty hunters or when bo has been interacting with other mandalorians they feel more on like an equal ground teamwork makes the dream work and they really learn from each other especially from their different perspectives like din obviously has that different perspective of being a child of the watch and um he obviously believes in the creed and then we have someone like um Bo who's been in this world a world meaning Mandalorian culture her entire life you know obviously having a very different view on it from growing up royalty and especially in that episode with the waters of Mandalore when she sees that mythosaur like what austin was talking about earlier that was a big shift for her and i feel like and like you said em those things wouldn't have happened if they weren't working together and learning and changing each other's perspectives yeah yeah the one other thing i want to put out 
it was weird before each passing week the more people mention and refer to Bo-Katan's past the weirder it fucking gets that they will not mention Satine it's getting Count Dooku. so <laughs> yeah you'll mention Count Dooku but not the fucking sister of the of like the main character of the season it's weird right literally it's made up so a family member weird. like they literally made up a family member for her so that they could avoid saying your sister like yeah her father probably fought for mandalore but what about her sister that we actually saw die for mandalore? We've like, seen hello? interact with like it's fucking insane to me like and it's another one of those weird situations where like it feels like another situation where it's like star wars literally doesn't know in some cases like how to write women interacting with each other like we constantly get male relationships that are brotherly that are mentorship relationships but they struggle so hardcore with these like sister bonds and it's weird and if you know right get female writers get female writers because how are you gonna write an entire obi-wan series and be able to flawlessly write the brother relationship that obi-wan and anakin and like obi-wan processing basically like anakin dying but you can't even mention bo-katan having a sister it's fucking insane (laughs) and it's so weird like why and then it's like, as you go back, it's like, okay, so why did Satine exist? If you're not going to, if, if Bo-Katan is never going to mention her, if none of the other Mandalorians are ever going to mention her, if Obi-Wan is not going to mention her, what the fuck? Have, and it's like, are we sure these writers have seen the Clone Wars? <laughs> like, right. the Clone, but then it's like, it's like, why is Dave Filoni on, Dave Filoni and John Favreau talk all the fucking time. Why? Well, I don't know if you've seen an interview lately, but John only talks over Dave. <laughs> that is so true. It makes me like, so sad. As a as a person who's quiet in real life, it makes me very sad. Right. I don't know if you saw that interview where they asked the interview asked about Ahsoka and John was like, Well, I'll talk about it so Dave doesn't have to. It's like show. You're not working. Let Dave, let Dave talk about her. It's all he wants to do literally it's- ever that's his oc i just like god okay i don't know why satine crease scares star wars so much but like john favreau is scared of women pass it on pass it on truly scared of writing women and it has to be weird for katie right to have played this character to know fully like to to know this character to her very core and to just have to sit there and be like Oh, so we're not gonna gonna mention the the sister that she had that I had seen. Yeah. Okay, that's fine, I guess. <laughs> I'm a I'm a big fan of the behind the scenes stuff. Like that's my special interest. Um, so I eat up the galleries that they put on there. And in the season two gallery from Mandalorian, John is there with Katie in the full armor, and he's like, "We've been voicing these characters together forever." Like all this, I'm like, "So you actively acknowledge Clone Wars repeatedly, and the fact that you guys go way back, Bo, and the fact that John, you are 
John, you fucking know who Satine is because exactly. you Like, you're going to brag about being in Clone Wars and then completely disregard a major Clone Wars, like, plot? Oh, God. Anyway, any other thoughts on this episode? <laughs> I miss Moff Gideon. Does that yeah, count as a plot? They have this man acting like he was the main character of the season in promo. And he's he is, to, to me. He <laughs> has not been on screen yet. I liked like, those two little aliens. Um, oh, Soleil. Yeah, get, it felt like Star Trek to a me. book. Yeah, it felt very um, it felt very High Republic to me, but I think that was just because it it felt literally like Syrian Bantu, um, like warring planets. But like, I loved it. Um. Sure. Anyway, before we get to Kesselrin Book Club, I actually I was checking our email because I'm really bad, and usually hair lived does that. But we have another we have a, a listener question, and then we also have a listener question from the Twitter. Um. So the listener question this week comes from Ima, of course, uh, who said, which rebel cell would you join before it forms into the rebel alliance? And they said the cells like Ghost Crew, Phoenix Squad, the Partisans, Luthan Cell. Um, we also have probably, I think you could probably add in what uh, Bail Organa's kind of cell. Uh so which one? I'll go with the Mantis crew. Are they Ooh. a cell technically? I mean, I'm sure they probably will end up I, being one. Yeah, I don't know because I don't think they're technically like, well, it's hard to tell, you know? Yeah, because it's still early on. So if they don't become part of the rebellion, which is a horrible fucking choice, let's just be honest. Um, I would go with, honestly, uh, Phoenix Squadron. Because I love them. They never get love. <laughs> so, Bart, Matt, and I'm there for you. <laughs> Anyone else? I think I'm not cut out for either Luthen Cell or the Partisans. I feel like, I feel like it's like, I would say like I would join them, but like they would not have me. I'm not like, like Luthen I'm- would not have me saw would not well saw is also like they're all really good fighters like it's like you have to be like a very strong also, and i just don't think i could but also like with luthan you could be like a spy like you don't have to do the physical stuff so you could be intelligent rebel intelligence i could i could i don't think i have the ruthlessness of like clay though but they did like nemic join <laughs> and i feel like i would <laughs> Um, so I might go in that case, I might go, yeah, Luthen's cell. Um, I feel like probably like MJ saying, like on maybe the intelligence side more. Cause once again, I the partisans, I just don't think I think Saul would cut me pretty quickly. I don't think I would make it past the audition process. <laughs> you don't have clarity uh, of purpose. Yeah, I don't have clarity of purpose. They're like, they're like, can you run? And I like get winded. He's like, yikes. <laughs> Are partisans allowed to bring inhalers asking for a friend? <laughs> <laughs> MJ, which one would you join? Okay, so 
I mean, first I was going to go with Luthen mainly because in high school I worked in an art museum, <laughs> like solely just to work in his museum, like not actually the Oh my God, you, you and Clea. Yeah, like when I saw Clea, I was like, oh my God, I've been there. Like that was me. <laughs> I worked the desk, but um, I don't know if this will count because we haven't seen it play out yet, but Rio Chuchi and... um. Rex and Echo are definitely going to link up with Bale and the Rebellion eventually. And I definitely believe in that Echo base theory that it's named after Bad Batch Echo. Um, but if they don't count, I want to go with the Partisans. I have to be, I have to be loyal, especially after this week's Bad Batch. Like I stand with Saw Gerrera. I, once again, I fully stand with Saw Gerrera. I don't think that he would, <laughs> once again, do not think he would let me in. <laughs> Yeah, but I stand with him um and then our other question unfortunately Austin I don't know if you'll be able to answer this one but this was from Georgia on Twitter who asked it under the tweet but I said we'd answer it who is a con head in Star Wars and I said I have an answer and you know the biggest con head ever is Cyril Karn. He's the one that man memes on Twitter. Fully. That man lives and breathes Connor Roy. Oh yeah. And, and, it's, and, it, and it works both ways because you know that Connor Roy watched Andor and was obsessed with him. He would cosplay Cyril. He Connor would. Roy <laughs> it's just me and Connor Roy. <laughs> At Star Wars Celebration, come see Connor Roy. Come exactly. see Connor Roy. He basically of... already does in that yeah. in his corporate vest. I can't think of any more cringe fail Star Wars characters that are as cringe fail mirrorball as Cyril. Like he's just the perfect example of a con head. We need more losers in Star Wars. Would Dr. Pershing be a con head? He's too smart for that. He's too smart. I, because I was like always going to say, like, it's kind of a different angle, but like Bodie Rook for some reason, I feel like with like Connor. I love Bodie. I feel like he just like so much love to give that he would feel bad for Connor. He he would feel bad for, he would love Connor because he would be like, he would like, he would have like cried at the, uh, the good thing about having a family who doesn't love you. You learn to live out. Bodie Rook would be sobbing. Oh yeah, definitely. Especially coming from the Empire like he did. I have another It's like a it's a different way than Cyril yeah, is yeah, a conhead, yeah. but he's still a conhead. Exactly. He's a he's a conhead out of pity. Um yes. <laughs> I have another character. I know you haven't read Thrawn Treason, but Briarly Ronin. I, knew I don't that, know if you that are was familiar you were gonna with say who Oh my god, he follows Krennic around in his little cape. Of course he'd be a conhead. He's like he invented yeah. stan Twitter in Star Wars. He runs a because Krennic you know, stan Twitter page. And you know that Krennic is like Logan's biggest fan. Like oh, Krennic yeah. watches Succession and is like, well, Logan is just right. <laughs> He's correct. He watches, he watches Succession and is like, that's literally me, even though Krennic continuously loses. <laughs> like he's like he <laughs> Fires to be Logan Roy. So true. I'm trying to think. I don't. Hux, I think, would also be a con head. 
yeah Hux I think once again Logan. Hux hates Hux Logan. Hate. oh Hux hates Logan hate. reminds him of his own dad but also Kylo he projects yeah he projects like well I think Connor it's literally like because Hux is like Logan is like his father or like Snoke and yeah. Kylo is is uh is Kendall, Kendall? Yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 it's like that's like in in Hux's head like he's that the is glass the child he's the glass child that yeah. is like ignored. he is truly he is literally like I am the oldest I was here first but this fucking guy is getting all of the love from daddy daddy's favorite <laughs> daddy's favorite who will get daddy's kiss who will get a kiss from daddy <laughs> <laughs> that um, to nicholas Bertel's succession theme song i love you nicholas Bertel. he has I a tiktok now it. everyone oh. go follow nicholas Bertel on tiktok since nicholas i don't have a podcast Bertel. to promote i'm it's, gonna promote nicholas yeah i also i also think skin might be a little bit of a bit of con head that can't but be i bad. also feel like but I also feel like Skeen might be a Roman girly. Well, as a Roman girly, as as a Roman girly, I have to say that Skeen would definitely side with Roman more because I don't know. Skeen does give younger sibling energy. Like he's definitely not the oldest. If he does have siblings, I feel like he'd ha- he'd be a sister guy. You'd have sisters. He'd have sisters, or he'd have an older brother and younger sisters. Yeah, that's the vibe he gives off. Here we are. Like he he protects the younger sisters, but he mm-hmm. is not the oldest. Yeah. The, um, the lesbian protector meme, but it's Skeen and Belsintus. So true. I'm trying I to think if, there, if there's anybody from the High Republic. Maybe Elzar Man. I could see Elzar Man being a little bit of a conhead once again for like similar reasons as like Bodie Rook. Mm-hmm. Um. I have to say this for Nova, but Stellan Geos likes Kendall Roy. Of course. And that also, there's another balance there between Elzar and Stellan or Geos. Oh. Like, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. he drowned, but also like the. <laughs> yeah, Stellan drowned and Kendall almost did. And almost did. He, he might still. Same. Never I almost drowned. Is this why I got Kendall on that quiz the other day? Because Kessel oh my God, so flooded my house. The house. And we don't know. Kendall might actually, he drowned later this season or he might he jumped <laughs> or he might he, he got pushed <laughs> um who will get yeah. a kiss from daddy daddy <laughs> <laughs> i think that's my collective list of con heads um there's no women because i think <laughs> no same <laughs> woman would be a con head besides and that's why i don't I'm even think will is a con head and that's and and that's why I'm a conhead (laughs) (laughs) you're the um the diversity hire people are gonna start I fear people judge me so hard whenever I talk about Conroy they're like well here I am naming Moff Gideon Thrawn Krennic and now Skeen like I'm like I think all of the most characters are gonna be my faves we're but I th- I literally think once again the Skeen fan club is literally MJ Savi Swagman and I <laughs> all TikTok moots we need all a group chat <laughs> imagine us starting a Twitter thing and just adding Swagman they're like we don't want to be a part of this 
they can mute it <laughs> they can leave um okay thank you so much for the questions those were very fun to answer i love questions please ask this more and you could ask the session related questions mj and or uh live and hey don't watch it but i'll answer them <laughs> invite me back solely for the questions yeah, segment. we'll just have a segment uh where mj comes back and answers the session questions uh anyway moving on to castle run book club uh austin and mj what are y'all reading i'm busy but i'm reading straight man by richard russo it's kind of a comedy it's um it's what lucky hank amc's lucky hank is based off of if we're familiar with lucky if the other two people who watch lucky hank are listening to this <laughs> there's no way there's an overlap there but i have been in a reading slump for so long so if the Mandalorian season two art book counts, then oh. that's what I'm reading. Shapes and colors. Shapes and colors. It's kind of similar-ish to like a comic. And I mean, there is a lot of Not like, really, there's, but... cool, there's lots of like notes and stuff written by, I don't know who's the narrator is, if you would call it that, <laughs> but I trust them with my life, so shout out i think it's phil uh i can't pronounce his last phil cisanatic or whatever his god these female musicians in mando just keep getting lizzo actually lizzo actually wrote it as she should um I was also in a bit of a reading slump. Uh, I finished Straight Man by Richard Russo. Uh, but I finished a historical romance book. Uh, it's good. I like them. Um, I love a little good little historical romance. Um, and now I'm currently reading um the Battle of Jeddah to prep for uh Cataclysm, which came out yesterday. But I have to read Battle of Jeddah before I start it um it's fine so far I like Creighton a lot but I just kind of struggle with the uh audio dramas um and I feel like part of me reading this was like it would it would have been better if it was just straight up of, of like the third or like the second book in like a trilogy um but anyway, I'm literally, I'm just reading it <laughs> so I can get the Cataclysm and my baby girl, Axel Greylark. <laughs> His cover art, man. Oh my God. Um, so anyway, thank you, MJ and Austin, both so much uh, for coming on. This was so much, not the dab. <laughs> this was so much fun and only slightly chaotic, um, but... I cannot imagine two better people to help fill in this week. So thank you both. Um, do you want to tell the people where they can find you again? No. <laughs> Austin has a um, podcast that you should check out. <laughs> yeah, you can find me on Instagram 
at SW Austin or my podcast. This is the Waste Girls. Yeah. yeah, thank you for having me on. Austin's Instagram is straight heat lately. You guys have got to follow him on there and follow me, maybe. I don't know. Find me. I won't tell you my at. You have to listen. Yes. <laughs> we said it at the Your beginning. <laughs> no. MJ's been uh, posting more just go TikTok, ahead. And- so. Go ahead and find MJ. Let her know whether or not you think she looks like Bob Odenkirk a little bit in a weird way. Um, <laughs> I'm not beating the allegations. <laughs> not beating. Uh, let's get a reminder that uh, you all should go to the solo panel if you are going to celebration. If you happen to be listening to this on an airplane, which Austin promised he did not do anything to. Um, make sure you go and reminder that if you just see live and hay walking around they have a bunch of stickers from this podcast uh they have like the he drowned illiteracy prevails uh a castle run and then the great merrick and zuckus debate so please grab one of those um Thank you guys so much for listening. Once again, if you would like to submit questions, please do those through our in or through our email, or you can uh, DM us on Twitter, add us on Twitter. We love answering questions. Um, thank you once again, and may the force be with you.